Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fun Boat Diplomacy Podcast. I think what's important to talk about in this week's intro is Star Wars The Last Jedi. The eighth Star Wars movie in the main saga came out this past weekend. Um, I'm going to be talking about it for just a very brief period here in the, in the beginning of the show. Uh, if you haven't seen it and don't want to hear spoilers, I try, I'm going to try not to have spoilers, but if you're afraid, um, just jump a little bit ahead, about 10 minutes, to get to the, uh, the meat of this episode. This is just going to be the um, introduction. Um, but yeah, I, I saw it on it was Thursday night um, in IMAX 3D, which I'm surprised they have here, but it's really cool. They have in this, they actually have two here, but I went to this one that... Uh, uh, this big mall that we have here in Wroclaw, and it's it might be the one of the most fancy malls I've ever been to in recent memory. But yeah, it's it's really cool. It's it's one of the sleekest, newest looking malls, and they have this uh, all these areas that are um, just purely for relaxation and hanging out. So you have these like reclining chairs. You have just like areas with just cushions, and there's charging stations everywhere, there's a food court. Um, if I was really bored and didn't feel like hanging out at home, I might have I might have the idea to go hang out there. It's, it wouldn't be a bad option. But yeah, um, I went to see it in 3D IMAX, which you, uh, sometimes IMAX screens, they're not all made the same. Some of them are bigger, some of them are nicer. I would say the ones in... Uh, near Pennsylvania, where where I am originally from, are some of the best IMAX screens um, that I've ever seen. They're the, the biggest ones, and you really get that IMAX wide feel. But uh, and sometimes I've I've seen IMAX movies where the screen's marginally bigger, and this one was in the middle. It was uh, bigger than those small smaller IMAX screens, but. Um, I still got the effect and the 3D. Uh, usually I don't care about 3D, but this time it actually was kind of cool. Um, especially with the first opening scene. Uh, after the uh, the roll, the first thing that happens is all these um, all these ships start appearing, uh, zipping across space, and they stop right in front of the screen against the backdrop of this planet. And I, I noticed that you could really kind of feel like you could reach your hand out and touch the ships and it, yeah it was one of the more um, action-packed uh, stressful and consequential uh, emotional uh, openings uh, opening uh, uh, Star Wars uh, intros uh, that I've ever seen because it's a uh, they're trying to blow up uh, a ship. The rebels are trying to blow up a ship, and it gets really, really tight, and um, and things almost don't pull through. Uh, but anyway, I don't want to want to spoil that. I I did overall enjoy this movie, um, and one of the first things I took away, I guess I noticed this in uh, Force Awakens already, but I noticed that in these new films that. The lightsabers seem to take more effort to wield. Um, the characters who use them, they, they handle them in the same way, more or less, but the feel, um, it's, it's kind of more weighty, and it's less of a god weapon, 
so it, it seems like the fights are more consequential like it could go the wrong way uh, even when it's against someone who's not using a lightsaber it feels risky and dangerous and there's a really cool uh, very nicely choreographed fight with lightsabers um, in this movie uh, and it feels very much like a samurai movie and sort of like an it has an anime sword fight kind of feel it's very cool and um, it's it's a bit stressful because <laughs> um, at any moment it feels like uh, the heroes so to speak could um, could have a really tough time and it could go the wrong way uh, another thing I guess I don't think a lot of people really care but Laura Dern is in this movie. I'm a big fan of her from Jurassic Park. She's Ellie from Jurassic Park. And um, it was cool to see her. She has really cool purple hair. And uh, her character really plays with your emotions. She does things that you don't expect. And uh, yeah, really enjoyed her. And as far as the story goes, it mostly worked. I enjoyed the main characters, what they were going through. Um, when I mean main characters, I mean Rey, Kylo Ren, Luke Skywalker, Leia, uh, and Poe to an extent. She's, he's not so major. And that brings me to um, the story arc with Finn and uh, the new character, Rose. Um, it seems a bit lacking. They, um, they meet each other and... I guess this is going to get a little spoilery, but <clears throat> they go to this casino planet to find a hacker. And um, it doesn't ever really seem... First of all, I did enjoy the casino planet. Actually, it was really cool to see what this kind of extravagant lifestyle looks like in the Star Wars universe. And it reminded me of the casinos of Nevada in a way, just less fancy. It's like more trashy in the casinos I went to in Nevada and this is more like suit and tie sort of high roller casino so I haven't seen those in real life but now I've seen them in Star Wars um, so I did I did enjoy that but um, it seemed like the storyline uh, was very lacking and even unnecessary it did turn out what they were doing kind of was unnecessary um, but it really sort of deviated from the point of the story a lot and I didn't really care for this like weird uh, I guess inclusive nature I mean Finn he's black stormtrooper he's, he's he's just that's who he is um, but to introduce uh, Rose this uh, this Asian girl and it kind of was weird because not that I'm against Asian people in the Star Wars universe, but it kind of felt like, um, because she didn't bring that much to it, as far as I saw in my first viewing, it sort of like was a inclusion, just to be inclusive of different races, which is kind of, it doesn't really, it's not a problem, it just, it, you don't need to try so hard in the Star Wars universe, because in the Star Wars universe, there just happens to be countless races so to to have to have to, to, to sort of showcase that hey we have this Asian character it seems very uh, too obvious and they were trying too hard 
to be human inclusive, which I don't know. That's neither here nor there, but it just seems kind of sticking out as as an Asian um, to see them including an Asian in such an obvious fashion. Like for example, in in Rogue One, they had Asian characters, and even though I didn't really like the movie, it didn't seem like this uh, this subconscious push to have a diverse cast. So, and and I also in this movie in the Last Jedi, I didn't really buy the romantic uh, connection, the romantic interest between Rose and Finn. But it this this story arc did touch on some really interesting themes, um, uh, namely uh, the first one would be the gray zone of war and arms dealing, which is something that's not covered so much uh, as far as I know in Star Wars. Um, but the one of the characters ends up explaining, hey, uh, these people who are making a ton of money in the galactic uh, market are benefiting both the New Order, uh, is it New Order, is that what they're called? Anyway, the bad guys, and also the uh, the rebels, um, which is a very interesting sort of thing to touch on because it's kind of what's going on right now in the international uh, arms market, uh, especially in the Middle East, uh, that I think um, would be it would be cool if in the in the in the news and the media they covered this. But good job, Star Wars, for covering it. Um, and the other things that they cover are animal cruelty because there's like a racetrack in this um, in this universe. And so they cover animal cruelty and then child abuse because child children are the ones who are sort of handling these race animals. And so they touch upon that a little bit as well. But overall, I enjoyed it. Um, there's some very emotional parts of this film, especially with Luke and Leia and a lot of the strange humor that uh, the new Disney style Star Wars movies have adopted. Sometimes it feels out of place but mostly it's this very self-aware humor that I get a kick out of, actually. Um, usually, usually it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, the, the one time I can think that it doesn't is, it's in the beginning, it's not going to be a spoiler, but Ray hands Luke his lightsaber, and he throws it over his shoulder and walks away, which is kind of, uh, it kind of, fucks with your value judgments in, in Star Wars because this is his father's lightsaber, Anakin Skywalker's lightsaber, and which he then took from Obi-Wan and then he lost his hand in a battle to his father holding. I mean, oh man, there's always ambulances out here. Um, but yeah, anyway, and it's really distracting. Um, dude, let him through. These cars are just not trying to let this ambulance through. Yeah, anyway, um, what was I talking about? Um, yeah, the lightsaber, he just throws it over his shoulder like it's no big deal, um, but it is kind of a big deal, and then he, he gets sort of uh, upset later that that another physical, material thing is going to be destroyed, but he's 
sort of not making a big deal out of his father's lightsaber. It's just kind of weird. Uh, but overall, that I'm, I welcome this new sort of this like meme culture humor um, that they include in these new Star Wars movies. Anyway, this week's episode uh, was recorded in Vienna, Austria, at my friend Pete's place. Um, Pete and I lived in the same building a couple of years ago when we were studying in Lisbon. So we had a good time reminiscing, and he showed me uh, a good time in Vienna, and we sat down in the morning that I was leaving to record this podcast. And he listens to a lot of podcasts as well, including Funboat Diplomacy, so there's a certain atmosphere around that. So I hope you enjoyed my little rant on Star Wars, but I also hope you enjoy this week's episode with Pete Putzleitner. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Fumbo Diplomacy Podcast. I'm here today with my good friend Pete Putzleitner. Welcome. That was pretty good. <laughs> I was like, it's really early in the morning and uh, I wasn't thinking that I haven't actually said your last name out loud to myself before. <laughs> uh, do you want to introduce yourself to the podcast audience? Ah, with pleasure. name is Peter Putzleitner. I'm from Austria, studying accounting and finance and the moment living the life here in Vienna and very excited to be on the fun boat diplomacy podcast. And yeah, I think you're one be of, a good one. Well you think you're one of the people who uh has listened before and is now on it. It's usually just some stranger who's never heard of it and have to introduce them, but you're 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 into it already. It's a beautiful concept. Yeah. And you listen to other you're actually not a lot of people I know listen to other podcasts or listen to podcasts in general, mm-hmm. but I think you gen- you generally do. I listen to a lot of uh, to a lot of them, and I think it's a beautiful form of media. And you know, it's more and more taking over what what what, what you know mainstream media outlets used to be. Mm-hmm. And I mean, on top of it, it's just just seems like a more natural form of of a conversation. Because if you think back in the day when you know some someone was 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 part of an actual interview, at one point you know those those things didn't just didn't seem that authentic anymore. Yeah, if you watch the news, how they talk, it's very strange. Like when you watch just normal broadcast media, and they're they they're just talking in this way that you would never release. I mean, speak in real the life. two of us, we would sit down, have a conversation, have a coffee. That's not how we would talk. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, how a conversation flows naturally. I mean, you can, can probably, I mean, it's, it's, you can tell that, you know, some, you know, sometimes even the questions they ask are unknown beforehand. And, you know, and... With those things, it's very hard to really know what a person is all about. Yeah. I mean, I was, was, was actually thinking that also with regards to politics, that with the podcast format, it's a beautiful way of, of, of actually getting to know a person. Because it's easy to just, you know, put on, put on a, a front, put on, you know, a certain persona, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, memo, kind of memorize and, and, 
learn what you're going to say by heart and you know just just play a personality for an hour or two but actually sitting down for you know a longer period of time in you know format like like a podcast it's very hard to fake it right uh, that's that's what Hillary Clinton said in her private not her emails it was a, a private event for I think Wall Street folks she said you need to have like a public face and a private face and mm. uh, yeah what she was showing I guess was her private face to these uh, insiders um, and oh yeah what kind of what kind of podcast do you listen to actually I mean um the, the um a big fan of the Joe Rogan experience it was probably the first podcast I've got into because I used to practice martial arts my entire life got into the UFC and I mean what Joe Rogan the ho the, ho the host of that that podcast is doing commentary there and you know then saw his his podcast on on the YouTubes and first got into into his then you know just just from his podcast started listening to some you know some some podcasts I actually heard promoted and advertised on 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 Rogan's show like the the church of what's happening now by the, <laughs> Joey Diaz yeah one and only Joey Diaz Joey Coco Diaz uh, that's what's up <laughs> Uh, Joey Karate, his other name. It's <laughs> yeah, just the man of <laughs> for, yeah, for many those, nicknames. For those of you who don't know out there, you should really listen. Um, it's not always the most interesting because he'll, well, he rambles, and I like that. But sometimes he's talking about stuff that's just comedy, um, yeah. the comedy uh, community. But his stories are incredible. He's this Cuban guy who, like, uh, he came over when he was really young to the states, lived in New York, and just had the most interesting life you could imagine and he, he has this really deep, he's just this big fat guy with deep voice uh, and has an amazing <clears throat> way of phrasing things and and he also, another really amazing part of his his podcast is his co-host Lee Sayat, who <laughs> like they, for, for whatever reason he came to this uh, this uh, conclusion that he needed to train him in the art of getting really, really fucked up on drugs. <laughs> so during his show, he always has has him uh, take uh, incredible amounts of uh, edibles or psychedelics and then, then has to sit there and, and be in this conversation. So, so anyone out there, if you feel like doing yourself a favor and laughing really hard, go to YouTube and look for Best of Joey Diaz. You will... Not <laughs> I, I I love when he does the national anthem. Ah, yeah, <laughs> it's like one. whenever I've had it, I've had it come on before while I was I was on the train or like I was on a bus or something, some sort of public transportation. <laughs> that was terrible. Yeah. I was just, I got to turn this off because this he plays the national anthem and just rants over it and just it's like. He starts off shouting and just gets progressively more angry, <laughs> and, and uh, he'll, he'll be like, "Fuck ISIS, fuck Obama!" <laughs> it's it's incredible. Well, I mean, despite his, his his immigrant background, he definitely has some some American qualities to go along with it too. And I mean, another comedian whose podcast I enjoy quite a bit is Duncan Trussell. Oh yeah, um, so, Duncan Trussell Family Hour. <laughs> exactly. I mean. Very, very interesting guy, 
very you know elo eloquent command of words, beautiful style of, of, of phrasing certain things too. But I mean, I also you know we once in a while enjoy listening to fitcast to to fit uh, fitcast mm. fitness and and sports related podcasts. Favorite there is the it's called Mark Bell's Powercast. No, if you if if you've heard of it, but it's mm. it's the brother of of the dude who made this bigger, stronger, faster movie. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I've heard of that, but I don't know a lot about. I mean, it's it's. I mean, I enjoy, I enjoyed a lot. I mean, it's probably not the most academically challenging podcast, oh, but I mean, he just obviously shares some some information about diet and exercise, about lifting weights, about being being a meathead. But I mean, he has this whole mantra is becoming a meathead millionaire. I mean, he's he's a guy who started out as as a powerlifter. And but then you know also uh, set up a lot of companies, a lot of companies making equipment for for powerlifting, for the health and fitness world. Then you know with the the motivation of his brother, who's who's a filmmaker, started you know going into into media, started doing podcasts, has a YouTube channel with I mean a couple of million subscribers, so. That's in in reality what he became, and I don't. I actually think it's it's a beautiful mantra to have to, to take your hobby, take something you're passionate of, and then turn it into into you know a career and potentially a lot of you know wealth and financial success too. Yeah, that's one thing, one dimension yeah. that I would, uh, I noticed about listening to podcasts is I. I mean, I'm not the most healthy or fit person, but from listening to a lot of podcasts like Joe Rogan as well and uh, yeah. Tim Ferriss, his podcast, um, <clears throat> learning a lot about health and uh, and like uh, just just keeping keeping your body um, in shape as 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 far as the uh, as far as the information goes. I don't practice it every day, but uh, I know. Uh, how to make better choices with my time and with my resources now. Oh, it's good just to have the information right. because when when you, you know pro, uh, when you process some of the things you hear, some of you know the information thrown around. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I at least I notice how little you're taught in in school exactly. about these things. Yeah. How little you know you're taught about the value of exercise. How little you're taught about the value of having having a healthy diet. One of you know, I mean, that's definitely see in a way lacking in the school system because it's something everyone's affected by one way or another. Because you know, everybody needs to at least you know do a certain extent of exercise. Everybody you know has a diet. You know, it's just just free to everybody to adjust it as as uh, to adjust it accordingly. And what I what I was taught in school there is relatively limited. Well, at least I would, I, and this is an assumption, I guess, but in in Europe, there's more of a, there's a better em a balance of an emphasis on health, nutrition, and and and, uh, and exercise, uh, physical fitness, uh, whereas in the U.S. we have just a little bit of uh, gym uh, class for, for, you know, in before college, yeah. and then it's not required at all in college 
and then we learn basically this we well we learned this nonsense of the food pyramid that, you know about this <laughs> the food pyramid i don't know if you have so this here right nonsense do, do you have yes, this here I mean, is, the, is it the same certain you know kinds of food which can be the base of your dietary intake and then just going up so it's, the a, it's, it's a different food yeah, different grains, classes. grains basically carbs on the bottom yeah. the biggest portion then you have vegetables and fruits somehow equal <laughs> and then you have like what is it meat and dairy uh, up above that and then you have like your desserts and sweets on top which I, that shouldn't be there at all that's pretty much the same as the bottom of the pyramid, right? The it doesn't make a whole <laughs> it lot makes of no sense. sense. I mean, I was always wondering. I mean, how how you know that that concept got scientifically improved, uh, scientifically approved? Was actually involved in in the development of that, but it's a bunch of bunch of monkey crap. Yeah, it was it was the uh, the way that lobbying works in America. Where, Probably. Where they're just, it's easier to produce uh, all these um, simple carbohydrates uh, like bread, pasta, rice, all these things and it's just pushed by the state. We probably had a you know very strong lobby behind it. Mm-hmm. Bunch of farmers from Kentucky wanting to get their grains sold and I mean in a way that's... I mean, they get their subsidies. Uh, yes, and it's it's a smart way of promotion because then you have it in, in people's people's brains, you have it in their subconscious when they're taught from an early stage on that that's what you're supposed to eat. You just believe it. You just believe it and keep buying it. And you know the the bottom line of of that lobby is is profiting and is harvesting its seeds properly. What was the, did you have something similar here in Austria? Yes, 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 absolutely. Was it exactly the same? Or? Probably wasn't pushed that strongly. Mm. You heard it one time, you had a look at it and went, oh, you know, duh, that's what I probably should be eating. And then we went home to your, to your, you know, household. Then you were just eating what, what your parents put on the table, basically. Yeah. And uh, what did, did you, did your school provide meals? It did not. I mean, that, okay. uh, the system is probably a little different right. because we don't have afternoon classes. Oh, really? Very limited afternoon classes and, you know, the, the public schools at least have too few people for them to, to provide a cafeteria. So, public so people don't go to public schools much or it's a... I mean, or you just, or you... They're, they're just a lot. You know, it's the, 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 what I assume to be the American system where you have a town and there's one high school and everybody goes to that high school. Exactly. That's not how it works here. I mean, you have primary schools where, you know, everybody goes to primary school, but those are from first to fourth grade and usually only in the morning. And then people already drift into, in, into different branches. You have what's called grammar school for, you know, the kids with better grades. You have what's called secondary modern school for, you know, the kids who, you know, don't want that much stress early on, but, you know, you don't need the most exceptional grades to get into. And, you know, then it goes, it goes from there. 
So even with public schools, you have a few different options for people of for, for pupils of the same ages. And you know, never got got established. Never got to a point where those those public schools, even even later on, would provide meals. Would 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 have a cafeteria set up. So what 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 we did when we had afternoon classes, would just grab a snack somewhere. Right. Yeah. I remember that there's a, I think it was a middle school near where I was staying in Berlin. Yeah. And it's it's just like this little bakery here who had they had all kinds of little things to eat and then if they had afternoon classes they would be hanging out there and then they'd go back to school but it's it's usually just in the morning that's interesting it's like classes just in the morning. Uh, exactly wow that's a good that's a good format you know what we did we had <laughs> we had morning classes we had lunch and it was um it was i'll, I'll just give a few yeah. examples it's going to be uh like french fries like pizza Ooh. like chicken nuggets um and you always had this milk and it's basically just chocolate sugar water and um maybe some like canned fruit <laughs> just disgusting disgusting Ooh. and and then you go back to class and try to stay awake for the afternoon <laughs> oh i can imagine if you have that that sugar giving you a temporary temporary rush, a temporary boost of, of energy, then a couple of couple of minutes, a couple of hours, goes back very hard. Yeah, I've I've seen people just sleeping on their desks and it's it's really not a good system. I don't know why they do it, why do, why they they don't provide some more healthy option than this. well, I do know why. It yeah. again goes back to the lobbyists. They need to push their processed foods into the schools to, to get it consumed. So that they can produce more. Yeah, but to be fair, I mean, thinking back, a lot of my classmates and I guess me included from time to time when we had those afternoon classes and had to look for, for food ourselves, it wasn't the healthiest from time to time either. Right. right. Because you have limited budget. I mean, you're a student after all. You have limited time. So if you have a kebab joint next to your school... Oh well, that could be, there could be worse options than that. You, do, you <laughs> just just end up there three times a week. <laughs> oh, it wasn't. I mean, I wasn't complaining. I mean, definitely knew us there already after a while. Yeah. Did you believe I haven't? I hadn't had a kebab uh, until 2013. Jesus, right? Ooh, crazy, right? Out. I was missing out. Oh, it's delicious. But it's, it, it <laughs> hasn't really made its way to, to America yet. Has yeah, it? You, will, you will see in New York City some, it's not popular like it is here. Uh, it's, it's sort of, it's actually kind of expensive. But uh, the rest of the US, no. I've, I've seen it only in DC. There's one yeah. uh, Duner place, and it's brought over by, uh, by Germans. And the same in Austin, Texas. They have, they have a chain. Well, it's two huh. or three of them, and it's five. It, they were German students who were studying at UT Austin, and they said, "Oh, you guys don't have this? Then <laughs> we're, we're, we're going to bring it." And they they, they, they imported. Jumped. 
a little yeah. bit. They imported the machines and everything. I remember I went there and I was like, I went up to the counter. I was like, oh, "Fuck, you guys did it!" Like it's, <laughs> it's like it's not exactly it, but it's just pretty accurate. It's and then and then they said, "Yeah," but they like turned over all their like the labels of the machines. They're they're all from Germany, imported, and they they try to get it really correct. It's not exactly right, but for, if I like for years of not having dinner kebab. And just in the middle of Texas, finding it was really awesome. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. And good for them for seeing the opportunity and jumping all over it. Right. Yeah. So it was just just waiting that, waiting just for 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 one 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 major chain, one one major fast food company to to notice that they might have a chance there. Yeah. To notice that there might be some demand, and then just just be all over it. I mean. Kind of like, I mean, guess like Chipotle did. Right, right. I mean, prior to Chipotle, I mean, there have been many, you know, major Mexican joints. Uh, I'm gonna say no because Taco Bell doesn't count, but <laughs> it's oh, uh, it's not really right. <laughs> it's not really correct. Um, it's more of it's kind of like the idea of Mexican food. Mm. <laughs> You're eating a concept. But I mean, I guess that on the flip side, with, with Mexican food, you would just have so many authentic, right, and really good, just just little boutique restaurants. Exactly. So opening Which a I miss. <laughs> opening opening a chain, you know, probably wouldn't wouldn't be that much demand for a chain. But I mean, with, with kebab, by comparison. By, there shouldn't be, by comparison, that many Turkish people around. Right, yeah. It's the, 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 the idea is that it came from, uh, well, it, it, people who don't know, it's, it's from the 70s. Yeah. Uh, the Turkish guest workers in Berlin created this ah, delicious dish. So many good things to Europe. Yeah. The kebab to, to, to Berlin, the, the coffee to Vienna. They brought coffee to Vienna? They brought coffee, them? indeed. What's the story behind that? What do you know? Uh, I might Roughly. have to, to budget a bit, but when they were trying to actually... I mean, it's just... just When they were, were trying to establish this 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 transport, this this transit route to, to Europe, just, just just came from that way. Yeah, I All think the way... It would have to do with the proximity to the, was it at the time the Ottoman Empire? Exactly. And then just that trade. The... I mean, that's one of the things with Turkey, that when it comes to, to global transit, the country has a very, very, you know, helpful location. Right. Because it's, it's in a way right between the Arabic world and right between Europe. Right. So back in the day, especially with the Silk Road, Probably even had more significant, even even more significance than than it has today. So it was coffee. It was the Turks brought coffee to to Europe, but then the Europeans who've in a way cultivated it, mm-hmm. who've created that whole coffee culture of having your cappuccino, having your espresso, and discussing oh. discussing uh, your philosophy and in, in the cafes and things like that. And uh, exactly. That's yeah. and. Do you know where coffee comes originally? It's uh, it's a really interesting story, and it, it continues to be <sighs> an interesting story right now because of what's going on. It's Yemen. Does it have something to do with poop? No, no. That's a, I think that's a more specific thing that. Uh, wasn't it some know. some kind of kind of uh, 
Goathead, who was this? Was, I don't know. I think there's some some some. There's a story I heard where it was a goatherd who was was taking care of his goats, mm-hmm. and you know they was you know they they started eating some plants. Oh no no no! That's the mushrooms. That's the cordyceps mushrooms. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That, so that, cordyceps. That, 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 that just just makes yeah, yeah, yeah. the the two stories up. But yeah, but what what was the end of that film? story? Did did uh, so? How did how did that cordyceps mushroom become uh, consumed by humans? I think wasn't it. Now, uh, now we're confusing people, but no, it's okay because the cordyceps mushroom is really interesting. Can you explain? That's what we're here do, for. Do you know what the cordyceps mushroom is? What it does? It's like it, it helps you retain oxygen. Exactly, just just helps with 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 put it with just just giving more oxygen to your to your blood. Yeah, you can just have more endurance. Exactly, and then then used by by athletes by mm-hmm. the Chinese national team. Right. And that's where that came from. I think it was from the Himalayas or something. There's, uh, we're, 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 we just don't know. We're, but drifting. Yeah, but, you know, but, but I want to finish. Fill me up on the coffee. Yeah, but I want I want to finish that yeah. that that thought. It's uh, it's really interesting how it, I think it it was on like cow shit, and they they had herds that they needed to have like move stuff up the mountain, yeah. and so they noticed that uh, they were there was more endurance. They were eating something that was, and, and and then they discovered they traced it back to this cordyceps mushroom that was helping these uh, their pack animals uh, retain oxygen when they're going on their treks, and so they started brewing it into their teas. Oh, it's a beautiful story, and it just shows you how much nature just just nature itself could already provide. Yeah, because it wasn't processed, it wasn't you know manufactured. It was just what they what they took from the ground basically. Yeah. It's a did did you hear that episode on Rogan with the what's his name? It's that that guy who was talking about mycelium about the the the, the amazing uh, characteristics of mushrooms and funguses around the world. I have not. You should yeah. give it a listen. It's really amazing. Uh, it they're uh, from if you go from the starting point that like humans are more in a way related to mu- or mushrooms are more related to humans or like uh just conscious beings than they are to plants from the, from there you you jump off to all these other realms of of possibility when when it comes to mushrooms <laughs> and the, the the kind of the things he he really thinks that it's some sort of other consciousness that's that weirdly we can consume and then connect with uh, the, like like the global or not global but universal consciousness mm. in general. It's it's crazy and I, I should probably listen to it again. But you should definitely listen to it. It's really good. But going back, back to, to the, the coffee, coffee uh, I guess this will be really short because I don't know the um, the details of everything. But coffee originated, as I understand, from Yemen. And the kingdom, this was a long time ago, had sort of monopolized it. They said, coffee does not leave Yemen. This is our thing. And you can't, you can't take it anywhere and grow it anywhere else because this is special to us. It didn't exist anywhere else. And uh, it was the Dutch who came along and they, some guy stole it from uh, the king of Yemen Ooh. and left. And now it's everywhere. It's grown in... Africa, South America, it's popular all over Europe and America, 
now growing popularity in Asia. I mean, Vietnamese coffee, that's like, none of this would exist if this one guy didn't steal from Yemen. And, uh, and what, how it relates now is really incredible. And it's sad. Uh, Yemen uh, believed the, was it the IMF? No, it was the World Bank. Uh, bought into the World Bank's recommendation uh, to, in order to secure foreign aid to uh, have basically a um, vast majority or even a monoculture in the country. They grow mostly coffee and uh, they wanted to grow food. I mean, yep. that's this, you want, if, you have, if you want to have a balanced uh, economy, you, have, you, you, you grow food so you can self-sustain in some way, shape or form. But instead, uh, by the World Bank's uh, proposal to get foreign aid, they uh, grew primarily coffee. And when the war started there, when the when the the Houthis and um, the, uh, the the government of Yemen started fighting, and then now the intervention of of Saudi Arabia uh, with the help of the United States, they they can't feed themselves they, at all. Like the people there don't have anything to eat. You can't eat coffee. <laughs> and uh, and so now that's, that's they don't they have very little and they're they're always dependent on on foreign uh, trade and uh, and it's a huge disaster. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how story. coffee yeah the 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 role of coffee in Yemen and how it's it's affected the whole world and but also the where it's originated from is in complete uh, catastrophe right now. But tight move by the Dutch guy, right? Yeah, I mean. I sometimes think about how coffee, how what the how different the world would look without coffee. Ugh. I'm just productivity, uh, like these ideas that crazy fucks on too much coffee come up with. Um, the cafe culture, like people wouldn't have like connected. Imagine, right? I mean, imagine how empty a place like New York would seem without <laughs> without a Starbucks at every corner. Right, and Vienna, like the uh, the the this. Allegedly, a culture of, of cafes. They do have it. Yeah. So same thing with uh, Paris and uh, more recently Berlin. But it's the uh, the idea that you get together and then you get your brain all riled up and then you uh, you shoot uh, bounce ideas back and forth between people. It's beautiful. It's unimaginable how how it would look like without coffee, but. In all reality, I just think people would, would just would have just found some some substitute, uh, like what, like just just I guess tea. Teas. Probably, probably they would have, would have just just come up with with something else. Mm -hmm. There's also what is, it? is this mushroom tea, chaga mushroom tea. Yeah. It's all there's always a Tim Ferriss is always talking about it. That it's kind of like having a few cups of coffee without the jitters. Have you gotten into the, the bulletproof coffee? No, I want to try it, but uh, because maybe my brain would work like Joe Rogan's brain. <laughs> There's not something weird about Joe Rogan, right? Like uh, he has a stigma. Do, yeah. Like, do you know? Like, I don't know. People think oh, you listen to Joe Rogan. It's like must be must be not thinking that clearly. But I don't I don't know. It's maybe because Joe Rogan like uh, jumps into a lot of topics, so he doesn't know uh, a lot of topics very. Like in a very sharp way, very um, specific way. But he, I, I really appreciate that he brings on all kinds of voices, and that's that's important. That's the beautiful thing to me about Rogan's show too. Mm -hmm. That um, probably, 
in contrast to what some people might might associate with him and what his stigma might be, he's a very curious person. And you know, people in his field, people who are from, from martial arts, who, you know, might have this, this meathead look attached to them, you know, sometimes not the most most curious and you know, also don't have the ability to talk to talk to people from the science world, from, you know, the world of 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 movies, from with with, with actors. And you know that's it's actually what I've what I've what I've taken from from Rogan's show that regardless of of who you are, regardless of how good you might be in one field, you're never too good to have an open mind. And you can always profit from talking to people who might be outside of your field, who might have, you know, not, no idea of your own field. And rather than, than looking for, for differences in those people, because if you compare Rogan to some of his guests, of course there are a bunch of differences. But rather than doing that, maybe look for a common denominator. Maybe look for, you know, commonalities rather than differences. And by having this approach when, when dealing with people, when going into social interactions, I've noticed that it's possible to get a, lo a lot more out of those, a lot, you know, more out of, out of relationships, a lot more out of friendships. And that's a, that's a takeaway I got there from, from listening to his podcast. And, and he's living it because if you look at his, just his, his circle of friends, I mean, those guys are very different. It's not a bad thing. It's probably more of an enriching thing. Yeah, and it's also, I really appreciate that he does three hours. It's, uh, I mean, that's four, three or four times a week he does that, three-hour podcasts. And oh. it's, and like he, he, he says, he says it's, it's, that's when real conversation starts flowing. I, I try, I mean, I, I do one hour. It's, it's because just to be, uh, just to be, polite, I guess, to my guests, not to do too, do it too, do it too long, but he, he, he says that it's like, oh, like in three hours of talking, that's when you get into the meat of the conversation. And that's when you can get, uh, it's, it's like a true, like conversational lecture. It really is. Yeah. And I guess after a while, it just gets exhausting for people to, to hold on to, to a gimmick, to hold on to to an ego, to hold on to a personality they, they want to portray. And they just talk. And they just, just start being them, themselves. And I mean, I guess the help of certain substances helps too. <laughs> with, with reference to the, probably, probably listen to it, the 9-11 episode. Oh, with Alex Jones. Or <laughs> I love that so much. It was amazing. <laughs> Wait, what were they? Doing? They got Alex Jones really drunk on the 9/11 episode, and uh, and they went to town with his conspiracy theories. It was amazing. Was he on with no? He was, was he on, on with, with Eddie Bravo. Eddie, no, okay. yes. <laughs> I thought I so, imagined that. So for flat Earth <laughs> to um, rumors about the Democratic Party, right? They were discussing just about everything. Amazing. Yeah, I I was listening just last night before going to bed. Uh, they're talking about flat Earth. It's hilarious. It's <laughs> incredible that that's still a discussion at all. He was talking you about get to it. He was just talking about um, how they said that with it, 
with even the most advanced telescopic lenses on your camera, you can see like you would be able to see ships like really far away. Yeah. And it's like he's like, No, idiot. It's that's just how far you can see. <laughs> it's not like I mean you yeah. can't you can't see a boat on the other or a ship on the other side of the planet. It's it's not possible. It's, nah, I mean not not sure about those those flat Earth guys if they actually believe what they're saying or if they're just playing a character, like that they found this that you know it's just just fun to hang on to something. It's fun to hang on to something and have something that in a way also makes a group out of people, and that's why they're you know saying it. Well, did does Alex Jones believe that there's a flat Earth? Was that the case? Or and then the co-host the. I mean, not, not the co-host, the guy who was on with him. Eddie Bravo, Eddie Bravo. does, yeah. But wait, what did, do you remember what Alex Jones was saying about the Flat Earth? Uh, I think he just, just played it down. Okay. Yeah, I think right. he... The thing about, about, about Alex Jones and a lot of those conspiracy guys is that they're not silly people. And, you know, some of, of the conspiracies they are promoting, they have some truth to it. Right. They're just also saying a lot of Wacky shit. Wacky shit. Wacky shit. You named it. And by by saying, you know, the, the, that wacky shit, in a way they're, you know, probably promoting themselves. Mm-hmm. In a way they're getting their names out there. Yeah. But they're also discrediting, discrediting themselves. I mean, uh, you know, and you probably have those friends too who might be really specialized in their fields. And you know, are brilliant in, in just, just that one area, but talk a lot of wacky shit, you know, on, on, on top of that, in addition to, to that area. Right. And I've seen it with those guys that, that, that people will, are more likely to listen to that wacky shit and then all of, all of those, those, those wacky 70%, but forget about the 30% that are 100%, that are, that are, you know, 100% accurate. And, you know, brilliant on top of it. So, you know, guys like Alex Jones, in a way, they're not, they're doing themselves a disfavor. Like That's I, what, what I've taken from, from the podcast. I would say that Alex, Alex Jones, people who listen to Alex Jones, I would say probably are more informed than people who just follow the mainstream media. Yeah. Like, they might come to the wrong conclusions, but they know more. Uh, they know about... Uh, the really intricacies of the inconsistent parts of the 9-11 narrative, narrative, for example. And uh, they, yeah, that's just the issue. They, they come to the wrong conclusion. Like the people who follow uh, or who are really into Milo Yiannopoulos. I love Milo Yiannopoulos. <laughs> but you might come to the, some of the wrong conclusions because of the way he delivers it. And uh, I don't know, because do you, you know who Milo Yiannopoulos is? Milo is absolutely fabulous. Yeah, and like, I'm well, a big fan. Yeah, good. Like people get really mad at him, but it's like he's he's not stupid, and he's giving you good information. But you might come to wrong, some wrong. Oh, him debating feminists. Uh, some of my favorite moments on YouTube ever. Mm-hmm. And yes, and, I mean because he says so much wacky shit, it's very easy to to take stuff out of context. Mm-hmm. And then make him look bad, make him look like a racist, mm-hmm. make him look like a white supremacist. 
which is the, the you know most ridiculous thing you could ever say to you know a gay white man who has a black husband right <laughs> it's a, it's, a, it's a i love yeah I, i do love that he like him and i guess in a way ben shapiro is different but he's still like people will call ben shapiro anti-semite but he's he's like a really devout Jew <laughs> just because like I love what I love about these folks is they they don't they, they don't fit into the box that uh, the left wants to create uh, they want to put them into this frame and they don't fit and on top of that they're not stupid they're highly intelligent conservatives who have crazy I would say radical ideas but um, but they're they're not stupid And the left hates them because they can't uh, pin them down. And yeah, that's... I fully agree. I mean, very well-spoken guys. Very good with words. And, you know, not afraid to, to you know, speak their minds. Yeah, and exactly. It's And that's the part of the free speech thing, is they are just the same as, as social justice warriors are somehow... Uh, g trying to push for their crazy social justice, they are uh, like the warriors for free speech. And I mean, to be honest, I actually think it has less to do with with that that idea of of left or right. I think it has, you know, more and more boils down to common sense or no common sense. Mm -hmm. With you know, like those. Talking about the other day, those those weird pronouns for you know just for those 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 genders that that might or you know might might not exist. Not, not, let's not get into that discussion, or you know some some of the the tolerance towards towards foreigners. That's I mean at least in Europe forced upon upon people, where I mean I've, I've taken you to the to the shown you the, the Christmas markets in, in, in Vienna. There has been a debate, and there have been requests from the political left here in Austria to change the name of the Christmas markets to winter markets with the intention of not insulting people who follow religions where there's no Christmas. I mean, I'm all for tolerance. I'm all for, you know, being open-minded. But when that, that tolerance comes at the expense of, of common sense, then we have a problem. And it comes at the expense of identity. You want to talk about identity with, uh, with leftists. What, what, <laughs> like it, does, it just doesn't seem that Christian and European identity uh, matters. They, they they pick and choose what identities matter, yeah. and I think that's that's totally uh, dog shit. Because I mean, like Milo will say this. Uh, Dave Smith, I don't know if you follow him. He's, a, he's he has his own podcast. Not, not he's a much. comedian. Yeah. Uh, but like that's what those say is like. There's just an inequality of identity. If you want to really, if you want to really be uh, equal as as far as equality goes, you. You don't just you don't pick a you don't pick a demon you know you don't pick like oh the the, the European uh, Christian identity is uh, somehow the oppressor 
and then everyone else is the oppressed. This is the Marxist perspective. And exactly. Yeah. This, and that's here. Like I see this the, the poster outside of the uh, the hundred year anniversary like celebration or something of yeah. the of the of the October Revolution. Like that is crazy to me. Crazy to me that you would see hammer and sickles everywhere. Yeah, in a way. Like what's you know, what's what what's up here in Vienna now? Like, or is it is it, it's not it's not all of Austria? It's just Vienna, right? I mean, it's probably limited to Vienna because it was was always a socialist city. Mm -hmm. We always have maybe the biggest workers population here, and I don't know. I mean, it's it's probably culturally people seem to be okay with with uh, far left wing ideas. But tend to be, you know, just just very careful and anxious at the slightest little evidence of 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 right wing ideas. Mm -hmm. I mean, nothing wrong with being skeptical towards right wing ideas, of course. But if left wing ideas are promoted on on posters, and I mean, you have those people marching. You probably saw it on on the first of May. I saw it in you... Hamburg. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> I mean, and it's probably even, I mean, even something, something people encourage, something that's, that's supported by political parties. And you would really think that people are, are missing the boat there, missing the boat of, of what's really going on and what really went on in the countries where those far left-wing ideologies were practiced. I... I'm interested that, or it's interesting to me that the this city is the origin of the Austrian school of economics, and they it doesn't seem like there's any any vestige left here of of that tradition. You know what I'm talking about, like the I do the, the Hayek, yeah. the uh, the uh, the who was shit I'm, uh, Mises Ludwig von Mises yeah. all these. Uh, free market people they they were here uh teaching the, the titans my my heroes <laughs> and and then europe has has drifted this way the city has, has 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 gone to the the way of promoting communism i mean i guess it's the the way of thinking that people have that the grass always appears to be greener on the other side so as we've never really had communism here People somehow have this this idea that they might not be be happy with their situation, and you know then just have this little thought to to hang on to, that their situation would somehow magically be better if we had communism, yeah. which is a complete fallacy. I wonder because I wonder, I think people who are privileged, let's call it privileged, think that this is how it's going to work. They are not so privileged that they would have to change their way of living. But there are those who are more privileged than them who would have to somehow bring the people below to a higher standard of living. That's never how it works. And we've seen that in communism. And what happens is everyone gets less uh, prosperity, uh, prosperity in, in general. Everyone's standard of living is diminished. I mean, it's been... Proven. <laughs> been proven, you know, time and time again. You know, I mean, also at my university, I study at the University of, of Business and Economics, and at 
this year's election of students representatives, mm -hmm. which somehow has actually become a, politi a political event in Austria, the Communist Party was running. I mean, it's beyond to me how someone who's, who's actually been, been taught in, in economics, in business, but then, you know, still support communist ideas. That's like it's stranger than fiction. <laughs> you cannot you cannot write that if this if if you explain to aliens this is communism, <laughs> this is free markets, and uh, and this is a business school, yeah. and what they want is uh, growth, and what they want is people to get the goods and services they want, and and the suppliers to be able to supply it. There's a communist party running for the uh, student government, and this aliens would be like. What you are guys you are doing? fucking serious. <laughs> Go back to work. Uh, yeah, maybe yeah. they have even a better uh, solution than free markets, but at the moment, how, how, how do I? I don't know. I have no idea. Would be new to me. Right. Yeah, so we're coming up on our time now. So it's been really awesome to have you on. And we haven't, these people at home don't know, we haven't seen each other for two years. And I came to Vienna for a school thing. And uh, yeah, now we've seen we're seeing each other now. It was beautiful catching up with you. No. <laughs> <laughs> Already making a mess now again. It was a lot of fun being on the Fun Boat, fun boat Diplomacy podcast, and it's just a blast showing you around, hanging, and podcasting with you. Just hope you had a good time. I had a great time. Yeah, and I'll be back in the spring. Peace out. Mm -hmm.